ask an expert number seven. Nine experts from across the industry weigh in on digital medicine solutions. They speak today in the context of their takeaways from the recent Node Health Digital Medicine Conference. It's interesting, to me at least, how different individuals with different points of view notice, remember, and assign importance to different aspects of pretty much the same presentations. Three of our experts today were from health systems. One was from an industry association. One was an innovation consultant. One was a workflow integration expert. And three represented providers of various digital technologies. In order of appearance, we have Megan Coder, who's the executive director of the Digital Therapeutics Alliance, Jim Barr, VP of Clinical Intelligence at Atlantic Health Systems, Katie Donahue McMillan of the mobile app Gateway at Duke Health, Naomi Freed, an innovation program design and digital health strategy advisor to healthcare providers, pharma, and payers. Louis Morrow, the sales director of the East Region at IRIS, the Intelligent Retinal Imaging System. Adnan Iqbal, co-founder and CEO of Luma Health. Roiland Fernandez, a technology adaptation and optimization strategist, nursing and clinical informatics consultant at DLAP Consulting. Jay Fisher, partner at Calibre Consulting. And last but not least, Jitendra Barmika, who is the SVP CIO at SBH Health Systems and a member of the executive board at Node Health. And Jeet sums up the mission of Node Health and the Digital Medicine Conference. If I was going to sum up the summaries, I might put it this way, liberally co-opting the words and sentiments of my very articulate guests. The intent here is to help doctors care for patients, patients care for themselves, and all of us care for each other. Thanks for that concise statement, Jim Barr. If we want to do this well, we want to and need to standardize the way that digital medicine suppliers express their value so that providers and other purchasers can make informed choices not derailed by who has better marketing. And health systems and other large stakeholders are really starting to come around to the inevitability of digital medicine and also the need for evidence to separate the winners from the not-so-greats in a field of literally thousands of health tech options. My name is Stacey Richter, and this podcast is sponsored by Aventria Health Group. My name is Megan Coder, and I'm the Executive Director of the Digital Therapeutics Alliance. Our alliance is a group of companies that came together a about a year ago to really figure out how to create a foundation for this newly growing industry. It's really important for us to identify what it actually is a digital therapeutic. How do you define it? What standards should it be meeting? What are the core principles that every product claiming to do this should adhere to? So that is really what we're trying to do right now. And our member companies have been really interested in trying to figure out what are the forms of regulatory pathways that they should be pursuing? What levels of clinical validation should they have? And then how do we really work with healthcare providers, payers, and patients in a really meaningful way? So as an industry alliance, I think it's really important that we recognize that there's a lot of great work going on across this industry as a whole. So for us, it's really important to meet with the other leaders in the space, find out what they're doing and make sure that we're not replicating any efforts, but find ways that we can help supplement or complement or even give new perspectives that they hadn't really considered before and bring it all together in a way that we can really 
work together. And while it sounds cheesy, the goal really is to make sure that there's cohesion across this industry about the way we're defining the tools we're talking about, the way that we're engaging with these products and making sure that they show the outcomes that need to be shown in order to really influence patient and healthcare providers. It was encouraging to understand, for example, from the health insurance perspective, and then also from the Mount Sinai and Newark Presbyterian perspectives, that maybe for digital health and medicine and therapeutic tools, they don't necessarily need to be trying to address every single patient and every single level of the industry across every single aspect of patient care, that it's okay to be targeted and it's okay to know exactly who you're trying to treat and what problems you're trying to address and address those specific issues in a much more targeted manner, as opposed to trying to feel like every company needs to blanket the industry and blanket every aspect of patient care. So that I think was helpful to reevaluate our own priorities as we start to move forward in framing this for different provider groups. My name is Jim Barr. I'm actually a family physician for the last 32 years. Still practice one day a week in my practice uh, in New Jersey. But in the last seven years, I've been medical director of the Atlantic Health System ACO, along with the Optimus Healthcare Partners ACO, and now we have a third ACO. So involved in the management from a medical director standpoint of population health, managing about 3,000 doctors, about 400,000 lives in value-based contracts at, at different levels. And then over the last year and a half, the health system, Atlantic Health System, realized the importance of data inside the management of our physicians and our populations. And so now has created a new position, which is the vice president of clinical intelligence. Now, again, that doesn't mean I'm intelligent, uh, even though I'm the vice president of clinical intelligence. It means that we need to find what doctors need and what patients need through data to better the care. And of course, digital health is one of those great ways of bringing data in. The things that I'm seeing here at the conference, and excellent conference and everything, it's, it's really confirming certain things. Number one, you have to be careful what you ask for. Now we have so much data, okay? Data is coming in from multiple different methods, yeah, whether it's in the electronic medical records or, or the telemedicine or all the digital apps and tremendous amounts of data. And, and now we have to really decide you know, how to utilize it the best. And your typical physician, of course, on the front lines is burned out. They're right now being told to chase numbers, you know, to, in order to hit certain metrics, in order to get paid a certain way. And the focus on that patient relationship has been totally distorted. The physicians are really, you know, not satisfied with the way this big data now is coming into their lives and, and disrupting things. So we need the evidence to be sure that what data we're putting in front of that physician is the data they need. And let's not just put it in a format that they have to go look for it. It has to be in a workflow that fits into, you know, the data they need at that time on that patient in that condition that they're addressing at that time. So if we can really focus on how to not only gather as much data as possible, but then put it into an efficient workflow, an efficient manner that it will impact behavior change, that's one of our big challenges. I really look at it to summarize as far as my thoughts is, is and when this is what we do at Atlantic Health System, we really try to help with the use of, of data, digital health, and three things happen. Number one, help physicians care better for their patients. We need digital health to reintroduce the physicians to their patients in a new way. A lot of physicians don't want to give up the old way, but you can still have that magical kind of relationship, that, that very powerful relationship with your patients through the use of digital technology and these new intelligence sources. And, and not just, you know, artificial intelligence is going to help my evidence-based intelligence, but 
my emotional intelligence. That's what I want. I want that kind of data coming in. So that's number one, help physicians care better for the patients. Number two is we need to help patients care better for themselves. And that's where this is tremendous opportunity. We do not have time. We're in the walls of our hospitals or our practices, and we don't have time to get out there where the patients are. We have to meet them where they're at. And that's where the digital revolution is going to be just incredible. I'm really excited about it. And the third thing, which is equally exciting that, that we look for, is to help people just care better for each other. And that's where our community gets involved, our employers, uh, governments, everyone can be involved in this digital revolution that we're seeing. So very exciting. I'm really um, looking forward to implementing some of these things that we're uh, learning here today at the conference. My name is Katie Donahue McMillan. I'm the Associate Director of the Mobile App Gateway at Duke Health, and we're based out of Durham, North Carolina. Um, One of the big things that I'll take away to work on in the future is that I was alerted to this American College of Cardiologists potential trial across 10 different sites. And just in the last few weeks, we've gotten a lot of interest from Duke Health. They're planning this cardiology clinic of the future, and they're trying to improve patient experience and using more sensors and connected devices, getting rid of the traditional halter monitors, which are clunky and annoying for patients, using things like the Apple Watch or the Cardia to do EKGs. So it was really excited to hear about that. And as we start planning out what devices or things we might be using and how we want to study that, being part of a bigger group or organization that are also trying to crack the same nut, I feel like will be really helpful for us. So I definitely plan on following up on that after the week is over. My name is Naomi Freed. I'm the founder and CEO of Health Innovation Strategies based in Boston. I think what we're seeing a lot of companies working around is how to gather enough data to really demonstrate the value of their offering. Digital health is new and people don't really know uh, what the impact is. And so data-driven evidence is becoming a key requirement for these startup companies to get in the door and get people's attention. And I think there's a lot of conversation around what it means to be data-driven when you have enough evidence and proof that your solution is working. Five years ago, people were much more skeptical about the potential for digital health to actually take root. They weren't sure patients would use these tools. They weren't sure they would accept them. They didn't think doctors were going to be willing to be bothered by new tools. Those questions are really off the table today. And I think there's a more broader acceptance that digital health is here, it's here to stay, and that patients and providers are all willing to embrace good solutions. Louis Morrow, the sales director of the East Region at IRIS, the Intelligent Retinal Imaging System. One session I was particularly interested in uh, that I felt like I learned a lot was led by Kimberly Knoll, who is the telehealth director at Stony Brook Medicine. Kimberly talked a lot about her institution's approach towards evaluating new technologies. Of course, in her world of telemedicine, Uh, It's almost a a floodgate of new platforms and new ideas. And and she spoke about really two main topics. Number one, almost avoiding the word pilot in their evaluation process and and looking at it more of a clinical-based research model um, to evaluate that. And then the second thing that was really interesting was the fact that she recognized that a lot of health systems across the country are going through the exact same process. But where the gap is, is not a lot of that evaluation gets published. And so what Stony Brook is doing is they are using clinicaltrials.gov and some other locations to actually share their results of their evaluations so that other people can learn from their experiences. 
Adnan Iqbal. I'm one of the founders and the CEO at Luma Health, incubated and came out of Stanford University. Our focus is on automating conversations with patients across the full patient journey. I think we've heard a lot about really cool technology use cases, a lot of the buzzwords being used in terms of AI, ML, et cetera. And I think, of course, there's a lot of promise to these technologies. We always like to think about things from the lens of actual patients and also the lens of actual super users, be it operational, clinic, population health, payers, providers, what have you, is how do they use these technologies in a real and effective way to actually achieve their goals and move the needle when it comes to patient health outcomes, patient satisfaction, delivering more care, running good businesses, what have you. So in the last session, I thought when they started talking a lot about chronic care management and some of the strategies there and how you don't have to have rocket science, AI, ML type technology to really make an impact. That was very uh, refreshing perspective, I think. And it was great to hear that from, you know, a pair, a large academic medical center, and of course, you know, other folks who are, who are involved in the space. I think some of the small stuff we as a health technology group have done an okay job of. I think now it's tackling the medium stuff, right? And doing it in a way, I think this is a challenge for anyone in digital health, health tech, health IT, whatever you want to call it, is are the solutions, technologies, uh, et cetera, that we're creating, are they going to be accessible by all patients or, or as many patients as possible, not just a subset of patients? And are we making the same mistakes that the HRs made, which was create more and more data silos. Like how are we really going to use data where the patient can be the steward of their data, it can follow them, and that can actually lead to real therapeutic intervention and clinical decision making in, in a helpful way rather than just more data in a box that lives somewhere. The change I've really started to see, I'd say, over the last six to 12 months is you had very large healthcare systems, payers, incumbents, really with their head in the sand, um, kind of hoping that, you know, some of these things, retail clinics, urgent care, digital health technologies, et cetera, et cetera, that they'll be, you know, surrounding their core meat and potatoes in terms of care delivery and paying for outcome. But now they're realizing, hey, the world is shifting, right? And I think in the last session, you heard Shahid talk about millennials, but you know, millennials always get used and abused. But I think what he started to get to more was, look, patients are paying for more and more of the healthcare. Patients have a lot more choice. Patients no longer just choose once, right? You used to kind of choose your PCP and you stuck with it. I think the concept of a PCP is really dying, right? I mean, I used to write my PCP's name on a form. People don't do that anymore. And so I think those pressures of having to not only acquire patients, but retain them and then deliver more care outside of the walls of a hospital in the outpatient setting and once a patient leaves, the fact that people are talking about it and thinking about it and thinking about how to use technology to expand their reach um, it's really refreshing because technology used to be limited to what EHR am I going to use and what else am I going to kind of add to it to just move the needle a tiny bit. Whereas now it's people will use the word, how do I reinvent and rethink primary care and rethink chronic care management? Because that's where healthcare is happening. My name is Roy Fernandez. I'm a beyond technology management architect for the Delap Consulting firm. And what we do is we work with organizations to help transform operations by integrating technology. And we work within hospital systems, provider groups, and partner with our vendors. So one of the great takeaways that I took from today, especially from the beginning of this conference, was Vinod Kasla's very inspiring but provocative messaging. I think one of the phrases that he'd used was an NP paired with an AI would be better than a PCP. And a PCP paired with AI would be essentially better than a cardiologist or oncologist just because of all the algorithms that would supplement what these clinical providers are bringing to the table. So pretty interesting stuff. Jay Fisher, partner at Calibre Consulting. I think probably the, the key takeaway for me is that people are so open to considering 
new ways of operating, that the script is being written as we talk, that there's very much a legacy that a lot of us have invested a lot of time in, in making come around, but that we need to step ahead very, very quickly here. So that's the first thing. The second thing is there are some good ideas for doing that in the sessions that I've been in. I have a little bit of a question about how much the people who are kind of building out the IT infrastructure for you know, taking the next steps are, you know, really as keyed in as they'd like to be to what patients, how patients actually operate and how they think. You know, so much of this is understandably limited to specific interactions and a sick care model or, or uh, in most cases, or a wellness model. And patients live lives that most of which, like 99% of which, have nothing to do with any of this. So I think the issue is going to be to recognize that and begin to, the extent it's necessary, build that more into uh, some of these kinds of conversations. Good afternoon. My name is uh, Dr. Jitendra Barameta, and I'm the uh, Senior Vice President and CIO at SBH Health System. I'm on the executive board for Node Health. We are looking at all the or collecting all the evidence for the implementation of digital medicine, how we can transform clinical care and how we can become an interface between the technology and the clinical care. There's an analogy of when a pill comes to the market, it goes through several validation clinical trials and research. And and what we felt was uh, there are over... Uh, half a million apps or digital technologies, they all don't go through the clinical validation. So we say, we thought, why don't we bring those type of validation into digital medicine? That is number one. And number two, decrease the time between the ideas to innovation to transformation. So with those two hypotheses, uh, we started this uh, organization. Now it has become pretty large and we are still looking forward, not only nationally, but internationally as well. Links to everything discussed on the program today can be found at RelentlessHealthValue.com. If you visit the website, RelentlessHealthValue.com, you will also find a complete listing of all of the shows that we have published thus far with leading entrepreneurs and executives in the healthcare space today. Another cool feature is, you know, you can subscribe to the show so that every week the episode is automatically sent to you so you don't have to remember to go to the website to download it. Thanks so much for listening.